Welcome to the Nord Show, a podcast about all things movies, games, pop culture, where we sit down with popular creators to prick those uh, the brain of theirs on those things. I'm your host, Joe Aragon. You may know me from TikTok as Cinema Joe, and I'm joined today by Teddy, aka I Crazy Teddy. We'll be chatting about their experience creating gaming and content around gaming, NFTs, some of their favorite movies, and then at the end, answering some community questions at the end. Teddy, how are things? How are you doing? How are things going? I'm chilling, Joe. I'm chilling. It's nice chilling. to hear a familiar voice from the West Coast. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm doing good. I'm in England right now. Weather is starting to look more West Coasty. Um, oh, you know, I'm I'm a comp- when it comes to NFTs, I'm a DJ. When it comes to movies and TV TV shows, more so, I'm a junkie. But I've watched my fair share of movies nice. as well. Very nice. Video games ever since I was a kid. So I mean, I guess you could say video games are a stepping stone for me being able to have the honor of being on your show here today, Joe. Awesome. Awesome. I'm really excited because there's a lot of information that I'm going to be learning from you and taking away and a lot of good questions that we'll be diving into. You said West Coast. Are you from the West Coast originally? No, no. We, we were using a thing called Riverside for this and it reminded me of some friends I have there, but I've done a bunch of work out oh, in the West Coast okay. with Activision uh, and a few other companies out there. So I've stayed got out it, there a bunch, went to a bunch of events and seen Very a cool. bunch of cool Very stuff cool. out there. I am in California. I'm in San Diego, in sunny San Diego. I love it here over here. And so I am a West Coast devotee. So I'm glad uh, you like it over here as well. Uh, But before we dive in the episode, let's make sure to follow the show on on, uh, Spotify. Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And of course, subscribe to the NordVPN YouTube channel, where you can find a link in the description of this episode to get a great deal on NordVPN. All right, so let's get to it. Teddy, I want to know more about your content creation and your kind of transition to this NFT world. Where did this all start in terms of content creation? Were you uh, immediately a gaming content creator? When did it start? What games was it? Uh, What's the history here? Yeah, I think like most other content creators, you try and you dabble in multiple different niches or markets and you create a bunch of rubbish content until you finally (laughs) break past certain barriers and you realize, okay, this is content that me and my local friends or people from my town or my city won't just watch or people that posting these videos on their different pages and all these other ways of shameless self-promotion that you do as a kid, you realize, oh my God, someone from across the world actually enjoyed my content. And so when I was around about 13, 14, 15, I was just uploading random videos to YouTube. In and amongst that, I would always um, take other people's content and try and boost my own and do all sorts of crazy stuff. I would upload movie clips and other stuff like that. You know how that goes, right? You you, You realize how the game works the hard way. Oh, Teddy, you can't upload clips from a movie, you can't do this, that, and the other. (laughs) If you want to make your own content, it has to be original or transformative. So you go through the motions for years and years, and I found gaming was a really awesome avenue for me to be able to express my creative flair. I mean, I was extremely addicted to gaming, and it kind of took me away from um, the whole era of sitting in front of TV, DVDs, movies, Blockbuster, all of that. Gaming sort of gave me a segue to be slightly more proactive and also express myself rather than just sitting around and, you know, just eating as much as I could while playing (laughs) the next DVD one to the other. Now, you mentioned you started making rubbish content. What Mm -hmm. content was that? I mean, like just pranks with you and your friends, like skits. So what consisted of rubbish content? I'm really curious. Made it all from (laughs) from rubbish to trash to heinous to just straight garbage. Um, My first few videos were actually me, my me and my siblings walking around the house with Nerf guns with mm. like a Call of Duty user interface shooting and oh, killing each other. Oh, okay, okay. I was one That's of those fun. kids. Mm-hmm. All right, all right. And, and was then it, I was... 
Yeah, go was ahead. YouTube the first platform you started on, or is it Twitch Daily immediately? Motion. Daily Motion. Wow, you're throwing things back with Daily Motion. <laughs> mm-hmm, okay, mm-hmm. okay. What? Uh, where? Did, when did you find your niche? When did it? When did it really click for you? And what was it? Was it gaming? Was it a specific type of content you were creating that things started to really fall into place for you? Yep, absolutely. After I tried making all the in real life content, and I realized that hey, no one else has you know the amazing talent that I do. Everyone else is just a supplementary character. And like, <laughs> they're all NPCs. I'm the main character. Let me You're make the main this character. about me. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so I started exploring gaming and making content on my own with my own ideas. Of course, inspired by some of the OG Call of Duty um, content creators and such. But I started just pumping out content inspired by the people. It was mainly gameplay commentaries news and information videos. Mm. Um, I noticed that I really was, when it came to TV shows and movies and news and information regarding electronics, I just loved learning about it. And being able Mm -hmm. to regurgitate that information was where I sort of found a niche, right? Because everyone likes different ways of hearing the content. So it was gameplay commentaries for me in like a really classic Call of Duty style at the beginning. Okay, so the games you started with were mostly Call of Duty. Was it? Did you expand to any other type of genre, or was it just like Call of Duty was the big thing in the early late two thousand? So I'm gonna focus on that. Yep, yep. I started off in my first few videos with Mario Kart. No one was really biting on it, um, <laughs> and I think there was some issues with Nintendo and uploading their content. So yeah. I was just like, okay, let me upload something that's safe now because I've tried doing the movie trailer, gameplay trailer, and even live sports content on my YouTube channels and it's oh, not wow. really worked out. Deviled everything. Oh, dude. Anything and everything. And that's one. I think that's one of the best advice I could give to anyone who's trying to create content, which is try anything and everything until you find mm-hmm. something where you're really comfortable. Um, and you may not necessarily find inspiration from other people's content. It may just take you finding your own lane, right? And that's one of the cool things about YouTube in its current form, which is it promotes healthy good content with amazing interaction with viewers, right? Everyone wants a valuable experience. And so I found that from my bedroom, the same room that I'm in actually at this current moment in time, when I was a kid, I was able to create content that brought value to people, even though the content in itself was flawed. So I looked to simply improve on that content year after year. Buying new equipment started off with laptop. Um, I couldn't even afford the recording device, which was the HD PVR before the Elgato's time, I had like one called an Easy Cap, which recorded at 480p, mm-hmm. X, Y, and Z. So eventually, I kept investing in myself, and that was the biggest thing, you know, investing in myself, blocking out um, all the negativity, um, and just focusing on where I saw myself in a few years, and that led to some of the most amazing experiences, some of the most amazing interactions, collaborations with, you know, it started off as me being a fanboy of Call of Duty. Eventually, I'm sitting in and amongst the developers, playing their games early, reviewing them, being flown out to different places to do social events and to help present stuff with them. It was honestly like a dream come true. Wow. You should write a book on how to uh, start creating content 101. That was a really good good start for anybody who is getting into content creation because it's a, a pretty inundated field and it can be hard to get started and find your find your bearings and really find what works for you. And uh, you're right, the persistence and trying everything out is really good advice. When did this transition happen from content gaming and maybe gaming news to the world of NFTs, which has really taken the entire world by storm? Um, I guess before you jump into that, 
how would you describe an NFT to somebody or somebody who's listening to this podcast right now who's like, I've heard of it. I have no idea what it is. People joke about it on the internet, about photos and taking screenshots of photos. How do you describe it in like the most basic way for somebody who's listening right now? Okay. NFT is a non-fungible token, something that can't be recreated. And it's something that's uploaded to the blockchain. Sorry, if this sounds like, you know, technical <laughs> jargon. <laughs> Let me just good. give it an in, in, in example for gamers and the way I understood it, right? Okay. I played games like FIFA, Call of Duty, CSGO, Grand Theft Auto, all the most popular games, right? Um, even some MMOs, Skyrim, all these other games that were really popular, Minecraft, any sort of popular game that you've heard of, Fortnite as well. I've played it and I've purchased hundreds to sometimes thousands of dollars worth of microtransactions on it. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, I had the, um, the out where I could say, all right, this is my excuse. I'm creating content. And so therefore, it's justifiable for me to spend X amount if, I, if it feels like a reinvestment and I can make that money back in content. Mm-hmm. If you're a kid sitting at home, taking your mom's credit card and you want to buy every single map pack, every skin, every Fortnite, this, that, and the other, and me being a grown person doing the same, even when it didn't really benefit my business or my content as much, I found, hold on, now I'm not doing it more so for the content, I'm doing it for the love of the art. I'm doing yeah. it because I want to invest in this company or this product because I like playing their video game. You realize at one point there's no return, right? You're not really getting anything back. You're investing all of this stuff and unless you're a content creator, this isn't really something that is an expense. This is something that's a novelty. It's a leisure. It's something that you're playing with and having fun. If you buy a baseball, right? There's only so many times you can hit that baseball before you Mm -hmm. have to buy another one. With the NFTs, right? I I, I guess you could scrap that baseball one because at least you're improving your skill X, Y, and Z and you're training something. Mm -hmm. That's why I like the NFTs because that NFT could sit in your wallet for a long amount of time And as the markets dictate, the price could increase and you could sell that at any given moment in time. Whereas Mm -hmm. with microtransactions, you don't have the chance of selling anything. When the new game comes out, the microtransaction is obsolete. There's only very many few cases, right, where microtransactions in video games have been profitable. And I guess the the ultimate example for that would be RuneScape and its marketplace. And so being being a fan of RuneScape and seeing how the party hats worked in that, seeing how all the rare armor worked in that and all these other things. I was like, wow, we're doing this in real life and we actually get to make real life money. And there's a hope towards a decentralized sort of marketplace to make that happen. Because um, even with an example of a little brother of mine, he had X amount of Robux for a game called Roblox. You have to translate those once you reach a certain amount into USD. Once you translate those, there's a certain percentage that's taken by the game developer. So even then, you're working hard but you're not getting your full money's worth because of the transaction, because of the marketplace that's being set up, because it's a centralized system. So even if you've worked you know, for a whole week and you feel like you should be paid for a week's worth of Robux, you may get a day or two's worth. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. This is a good, good explanation. I feel like even I was, I mean, I, like I said, my, my knowledge of NFTs is pretty minimal, but now after this explanation, I feel pretty pretty solid with my understanding of what it is. When did the transition happen when you were making a lot of content around gaming and gaming news where you're like, I want to get into NFTs more full time, maybe even professionally? When did that happen? And, you know, 
is it something you see yourself doing for a long time? Is it is it something that you think that you'll be doing for years, a couple months? I think um, that particular question requires more of like a in-depth answer just because of how new the space still is. There's a lot of infrastructure still being created. For example, jobs in gaming, right? I'm a gaming content creator. Well, I was a gaming content creator at one point. I am now one of the furthest things from a gaming content creator where I coach and teach people how to make the content. I curate and direct the content. My job that I do right now professionally during the day wasn't something that was even feasible or something that was a possible job role five years ago because the infrastructure was lacking. Um, We needed people to sort of break down those barriers and push the the market forward and show the potential that gaming has. You know, you now have gaming in colleges, you now have gaming in esports, you have gaming anywhere and everywhere you go on your handheld devices, on your mobile phone, and you realize that there's a lot of investment going into this. And it's not just investment that only resides in gaming, but it reaches so many different financial sectors. With NFTs, right now, the biggest use case for the blockchain, as we've seen transactionally, has been to buy non-fungible tokens, aka monkey pictures, or pictures of whatever you're purchasing, right? The most popular one being the Bored Apes. It's a... Um, It's a current use case for the technology that's just at its start. It's nowhere near the pinnacle, and we can't even begin to imagine um, the ceiling of what's going to happen, just like with the internet, just like with social media. Web3 takes it to the next platform where it gives us, as regular users of the platform or of the technology, a heightened way of not only earning but having provenance within the space. And I think that's what's really important to mention to anyone who's interested in NFTs is always be hopeful, always be looking towards understanding the technology and having a level of critical digital literacy when engaging with any of these things, whether it's YouTube, whether it's Web2, whether it's Twitter, or whether it's Web3 and all these different marketplaces and non-fungible tokens. I think understanding them is the biggest form of entry and realizing that the potential uh, for the blockchain just starts at NFTs. And this is just a bunch of people playing around. Some people are making money, some people are losing money. But understanding how far this can be taken in order to help us with transactions, with decentralizing uh, finance and all these other things to enable us as people who have only been able to absorb content and not curate or have that much of a say regarding how it's published. I think that's the biggest thing. Um, Again, I'm not doing NFTs professionally. I do offer professional consultancy, uh, advisory, and all these other things, but that's only because I've been in this space for close to a year now, and I've understood and been able to translate a lot of my experience from the previous eight to 10 years um, from the, we call it the Web2 space, which would be social media, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram marketing, all of that sort of stuff, and seeing that there is no roof on the NFT space, I'm able to translate it and help people um, understand the use cases of the equipment and the technology, as well as how they can help integrate it and allow for, let's say, the layman to really understand what this, what the what the real utility of this is, and that it's only at the beginning, and uh, there's so many more things that we need to, so many more barriers we need to break down to, or that we need to break down before we truly understand uh, where this thing is going. It's a, a very vast and uh, complicated world, and it's pretty impressive how much you've already begun to master it. But like you said, there's so much more to grow. I'm sure you'll do a lot more learning. But you've done a really great job building this community, and whether that's a community of your gaming content creation 
combined with your your NFT uh, community. What is this one of your favorite things that you've about your community that you've built? Is there something specific that you really love about the community that you have? Absolutely. I think there's a few things. There's of course that no barrier between interaction depending on geolocation, right? Mm-hmm. I can speak to and talk to anyone from anywhere. Uh, my communities helped me live in multiple different countries. Um, uh, one of the things I didn't mention was for a few years, I was living in a content creator house out oh, in America, which is amazing. I'm living with people that are vlogging for a living. Some of them are Twitch streamers. Some of them are making YouTube videos. And we all met on Call of Duty and GTA and CSGO and all these random games. And it's like my community helped me do those things. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the biggest things about where the internet is going. How can I utilize the reach of my community, the love that these people are showing me and the interactions that they're giving me and really help to show that to other people in a way that allows for them to understand the benefit or the worth of what a true organic community is. And that took me to so many different places and allowed for me to do so many different cool things with different people that I wouldn't have been able to contact, you know, if it was 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. I mean, things have changed tremendously. And the fact that you, as you pointed out, you could be tweeting to somebody as far as the States to the other side of the country, Asia and Europe. Uh, Yeah, and the opportunities that you've had is pretty impressive. We're going to switch quick gears, though, uh, because we are a podcast that focuses on gaming and content creation. We also like to talk about pop culture and television and film. And you said you are a junkie in terms of that kind of stuff. What kind of stuff do you find yourself really consuming in terms of uh, TV and movies? What kind of genres are you really into? What types of what are you what are you watching every day? If you watch something, if you it's late at night, you just finish your your cons, your consultations. What are you turning on? Oh, that's a spicy question. Honestly, I wouldn't <laughs> really box myself. I wouldn't really you know shoot myself in the foot or pigeonhole myself here. I watch anything and everything that um, interests me. And something that catches me off guard or something that excites me or may give me a feeling of nostalgia. I'm sure we've all been there where we, we might be watching a few TV shows at the same time. Yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden we're like, all right, you know what? These TV shows are good, but let me throw on this movie and you know, let me sort of recalibrate myself and be ready for something that's even more exciting. Because as you get towards certain times of TV shows, they do sort of get off and start getting stale. But a movie is just action, 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 retention, retention, tension the Mm -hmm, whole way mm -hmm. through. And sometimes I just sit there and I'm mind blown. Which by the way, I do want to bring up a movie which kind of goes off on a tangent. The latest Doctor Strange movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shoot me for saying this, but I liked it, guys. No, no no, no reason to shoot you. I mean, I think it has positive reviews from around uh, the critic side of things and the audience side is pretty positive. I mean, you, you have your outliers. There are people who don't like it. I mean, there's always going to be people who say it's not good. And you know what? By the time this episode comes out, it'll probably be at least a month uh, the movie has been out. So if we were to ever discuss spoilers, it's not that big of a deal to me. But if you're listening and you don't want to hear spoilers, you can pause and skip two minutes. Uh, so you liked it. Mm-hmm. What did you like about it? Anything specific that you liked about it? Were you disappointed by anything? Were you expecting anything? I wasn't expecting anything. I've seen all of the MCU movies. I've seen almost all of the TV shows. And I think it fit right in with the narrative and the culture that they're trying to push. And I think they have made movies that feel like build-up movies before. But Mm -hmm. it only gets me more excited to see how they can explore 
the multiverse and all these different things that they're creating, right? When I watched a Doctor Strange movie, I was like, that was amazing. And it sort of had that um, similarity with the Loki TV show where you're seeing yeah. things that you wouldn't have expected to see from an MCU movie. And just because it's different or just because it's not what I expected doesn't mean that it wasn't executed, uh, in my in my honest opinion, flawlessly. Okay. Uh, well, not That's flawlessly. Fair. There was a few um, things in the plot that were kind of left up in the air, but I, I liked it. I enjoyed it. What's your dream cameo in the future? If you could have something someone appear in the next movie that you're like, man, I would love to see, I don't know, Hugh Jackman show up as Wolverine again. Is there someone, a character from the universe you would love to see appear in the next movie? Hmm. Um, rest in peace, my bro. Uh, spoiler alert. I mean, it's kind of old. Not happy. I want to see Happy ah. in, like another, in another universe. And I okay. want to see him happy. And I, and I want to see him doing his thing with Aunt May or with Aunt whatever. May? Okay. I just want to see, bro, you know what I'm saying? He was, <laughs> he was riding with, with Tony Stark. He helped out the kid a bunch. And okay. he was taken from us too early, you know, gone but not All right, gone. that's a good answer. A lot of people would have said like Deadpool or Fantastic Four, X-Men, Happy. That's a good answer. That's a good answer. Uh, so I did send you a list of movies though. I was like, hey, Teddy, from these movies, what do you want to talk about? And then you responded with the movie I thought you would choose. And that was The Wolf of Wall Street from 2013, which wasn't a too big surprise now that we've had this long conversation about NFTs and, and the world and where it's heading in terms of uh, that market. Why were you initially drawn to Wolf of Wall Street in the list of movies I sent to you? Yeah, I mean, there was a few that I could have picked. Um, and even a few that I thought you might have, as I didn't know you, a few that I've watched <laughs> that I think most people do like. But I... I picked The Wolf of Wall Street because admittingly, I do have an addictive personality. Mm-hmm. Had I been there during that time, just the only thing I can do is just, <laughs> you know. Had I been there when uh, Jordan, Jordan Belfort was doing his thing, I think I would have gotten along very great with, uh, with mm. him and his company and all his homies. <laughs> very fair, very fair. Now, what's your memory of watching Wolf of Wall Street? Did you see that in theaters? Did you watch it at home? Watch it with friends? Do you have a vivid memory of the very first time you watched it? I think if I would have watched it in theaters when I was out, I would have been classed like a mini heathen. I'm not sure how old, was, <laughs> how, how old I was. I think I originally watched it though when I was like 16, 17, but uh, watched it again like two weeks ago when I got the email and the list of movies. And um, I think the first time I watched it, a, a lot of the references or my understanding uh, regarding certain things of what was happening really, it really flew over my head due to my own lack of experience with mm-hmm. Whether it's the financial sector or some of the most some of the more nefarious things that were were shown in there, um, but you know, I'm I'm grown now and watching it again, sort of, I was I was laughing the whole way through and I was like, oh my god, some of these scenes, I'm like be, coming from the YouTube world, looking uh, and having friends within the financial world as well here in London and other places, it's like, damn, I'm laughing. The, the parallel between what goes on in between or during work is just hilarious. Interesting. It's, it's comical. Interesting. I knew you would have a different perspective on it than a lot of people. Any specific scene in the movie that always sticks out to you as the funniest moment or the moment you always think about when you watch this movie? Because hmm. I know I have one for myself. I know there's one scene for me when I think of the movie, I always think of this one scene. But I'm curious to know if there's a scene for you. Can I have a guess as to which one yours is? Go ahead. Is it when Margot Robbie's there with the, uh, <laughs> with the pink dress? In the, uh, it's not that scene, movie. although that scene is, is very, very good. It's, it, it's not that scene, though. Um, so my one, my prob- my favorite one is when 
he's supposed to be quitting the job. He's supposed to be quitting the company. Mm-hmm. And then he comes in and just starts cursing everyone else. Oh, screaming, yes, I'm yes, not yes. leaving. <laughs> throws his watch and does all sorts of like, yeah, he does all sorts of crazy stuff in some of those scenes. Um, and all hell just breaks loose. And I'm like, damn, I've been to a few work environments where it's not too far off that. Although I wish they would have been throwing money and doing other things and throwing <laughs> Rolexes, but yeah, only time will tell. Yeah, only time will tell. Yeah, that's a, that's a great scene. The one scene that always pops up to me is the very first scene where he sells the penny stocks for the first time in the very small brokerage and everybody's staring at him as he as he really upsells this penny stock. Uh, I always found that to be one of the more fascinating scenes because going into this movie, I think a lot of people, including myself, know very little about that financial sector, very little about stocks, very little how that works. So to watch him spin this penny stock, which I'd never even heard of until that point, was uh, always pretty impressive to me. Uh, you fan of Leo, Leonardo DiCaprio? You, you watch any of his other movies? Yeah, of course. I've seen a bunch. Um, I think one of my earliest was probably Titanic. And then mm-hmm. um, I forgot the name of it. He's like an imposter playing different roles. He's on the run from ah, the FBI. Ah, Catch Me If You Can. Catch, Ca- me, if catch can. me If You Can. Yep, I watched that one when I was pretty young. That's a good one. My father's favorite Leo movie is probably Blood Diamond. He oh, loves that interesting. one for some reason. Okay, yeah. Blood Diamond. It's a South good one African as well. I haven't seen that one in a long time. Dude. Yeah, definitely. I think I've seen that one like three or four times just with my oh. father alone. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. I've seen a bunch of Leo movies and he just, you know, excellent actor. And mm-hmm. his his job in, in this movie uh, was 10 out of 10. And what you were saying about your favorite scene as well um, kind of makes you… And one thing I love about TV shows and movies is when for that split second you kind of feel like you're the character or you want to be that person. Yeah. The woman or the yeah. girl. You're like, Damn, like next time I get on the phone and next time I've got a job interview, I'm selling something. I'm going to be talking about like this. Yeah, that's, that's a really great point because I feel like that's the exact feeling a lot of people have when they're watching that scene or even the scene right after that where he's teaching his uh, his his peers how to sell and he's like, you know, selling to this guy. Uh, yeah, there's a, there's a point where you watch that you're like, could I do that? Could I get on the phone in my job and and really sell somebody and be that enthusiastic. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I I can parallel that with, I used to watch like Woody's Game Attack, Extraws, all these Call of Duty people, right? Back in the day, um, making Call of Duty content. And then a year or two later, I would see them hanging out, paintballing, real life events, E3 packs, all these other things. And as a kid, I was like, damn, I'm, I'm still so far behind. I haven't even mastered the content creation bit. But when you see stuff like that, and when you when you take inspiration from it and when you put your head down and you challenge it or you channel your own creative sort of uh, process and find out you, you know more about yourself and your your own limits you'll be able to unlock things in yourself that are very similar to you know DiCaprio in that scene where he's 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 just talking he's talking and it's it's you know it's verbal gold almost instead of word salad and once you get past that barrier and you can um, you almost have the gift of the gab where you're speaking and people start gravitating towards it. No matter which sector you're in, you'll find that you're able to, you know, find some sort of monetary gain or some sort of way to bring more people around your network or build a community that then will allow for you to benefit, you know, because um, the difference between him working there in that place and then starting his own in his garage with more like-minded people or just, you know, people that needed to see him in his element in order to be inspired is, I think, a very, very big thing. And right now, the internet caters for that. 
we watch content creators and a lot of the times we feel like, I feel like I want to be in a Mr. Beast video. Every yeah. time I'm watching it, I'm like, I could do this challenge. I could do this. I could do that. Who knows if I could, but I might have the opportunity to do something similar or to create a platform that's similar that then enables other people to be around me and to test the waters of how capable am I really of doing something so awesome. Wow. Really well said. Have you thought of doing a podcast of your own? That was a excellent segue of uh, the movie to real life applications there. And impressive. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I have nothing to say except to, to agree with you. And uh, yeah, this is a perfect time to take an ad break now because uh, we're going to switch over from Wolf of Wall Street to talk about a few more things. So we'll take a quick break and then we'll uh, come back to ask you some more questions. Are you missing out on your favorite shows because it's not available in your region? Trying to keep your private time private? Well, let me introduce you to NordVPN. If you're bored of US Netflix, why not take a spin on the UK? Use NordVPN and at a click of a button, you can do just that. With 5,000 plus server options, no show is out of your reach. And we all know we love to binge, but privacy is a big deal as well. NordVPN keeps your information encrypted, so you never have to worry about your IP or location getting out. Make sure to use Teddy's link in the description of this episode to get a great deal on NordVPN and support Teddy's channel. All right, so you did this. You did a wonderful kind of conclusion to our discussion on Wolf of Wall Street. People are probably wondering, especially me, is uh, what are some other things? Th top three, three to four movies that you rewatch all the time. People, maybe some movies people would be uh, kind of surprised that you watch all the time. Doesn't have to be. What, what what are the ones you like tend to turn on all the time? Maybe you're doing laundry and you just throw a movie on. What are those movies? Hmm, that's a good question. I haven't done that in a while. I have rewatched TV shows and I have rewatched movies, but there's not many that I can say that I'm immediately going to turn on just as like background noise or something to sort of entertain myself while doing mm -hmm. those things because I prefer to, you know be in conversation with myself or have my own thoughts or to be planning other things that are about to happen. But there is certain movies that I do keep in the back of my mind that I know that one day I'm going to watch again, whether okay. it's because I watched them when I was younger and I didn't fully understand them, or I haven't seen um, a second version or a rendition or something that captures that nostalgic feeling when I think about that movie, which you know you see a lot these days with movies, which is like, oh, they executed this phenomenally. Let's wait 10 years and create another version. Sometimes that version never lives up to the hype. Um, mm -hmm. I think with the MCU movies, there's definitely the chance that some of them uh, could be rewatched. I actually realized there was a few that I missed out on um, the past few years that I went back and watched, and some of them were the, were the older ones, um, like a, a, Hulk, a Thor movie here, a Captain America, the first one, um, here and there and I was like wow these are pieces to the puzzle that now that I've watched when I watch these like had I not watched Captain America the first ever one um, a year ago I never would have understood some of the references that were happening in the Loki TV show and it was just mm. exploding um, yeah. my brain um, do you have one favorite one one favorite MCU movie if there's with your one go to like this to me is the best one of the MCU honestly I I couldn't answer that one Maybe wow, like wow, interesting. Maybe civil war. Yeah, maybe civil war. Or okay, good, good. That's a good. That's a good answer. A popular answer I've received a few times. And one time on the show, uh, civil war is a popular answer. Winter Soldier is also a very popular answer. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, Endgame or Infinity War are big, big answers. Uh, so is Thor Ragnarok. Wait, 
I meant Infinity War, not Civil War. Ah, Infinity War. Okay, yeah, that's a popular. That's a good answer. That's, good answer. that's a third one, right? The second uh, one. Sorry. It's a uh, technically. Well, I guess it depends on how you look at the entire Avengers trilogy. There's Avengers One, then there's Age of Ultron, and then it goes Infinity War, and then Endgame. So I guess if you look at it as the third okay, one, it was, in that it was series, the Infinity. Yeah, it was the one yeah. before Endgame. I loved that one, dude. Okay, yeah, that's a it's a really Amazing. popular answer. A lot of people say it's better than Endgame. Which is an interesting opinion as well. So, mm-hmm. okay, uh, yeah, that was the only one that I uh, watched when it came out, and then I went back the next a few days after and watched again, and I was like, "Wow, that was just amazing as a masterpiece." <laughs> Anything outside the MCU? Are you a big horror guy? Are you are you secretly watching a lot of rom coms at home? You're not telling anybody about? Mm, not not many movies, not so much TV shows. I've seen a bunch. I was okay. I have an older sister, so when it came to TV shows, I've probably seen a bunch that a lot of people wouldn't expect back in the day. I think I've seen all of Glee. I think I've seen all oh, of Oh, interesting. Liars. Would not have guessed that. <laughs> Banger of a TV show. People sleep on that one, honestly. Um, okay. The references, okay. the culture, how it helped with just a, a bunch of opening up a, a bunch of different stories, narratives, and conversations. Um, in day-to-day life, I think that that TV show definitely pushed a lot of buttons and grinded a lot of gears, but the execution on it uh, was amazing. Um, of course, there was a sad turn of events in real life that you know sort of mm-hmm. humanized a lot of what was happening in the TV show as well and helped us realize that this isn't just a show. This isn't just um, a bunch of people singing. This is, you know, some, some of this stuff does happen in real life. One mm-hmm. of the cool things about that, though, that always like, Makes me smile as when I saw Grant Gustin in that. You know, as a kid, I was watching Glee with my older sister, who obviously had the TV remote, and I'm like, oh, I want to watch Sonic the Hedgehog, or I want to watch, you know, something violent, something crazy, Mm -hmm. or something scary. You don't have that control if you have an older sister, you know. But I remember (laughs) seeing Grant Gustin in a few episodes. Um, It was like this awesome, skinny dude wearing a blazer singing, and then 10 years down the line, he was the main character in the Flash TV show. And I was just. Wow. That's yeah, nuts. Yeah. Okay. So, All right. So Glee as a TV show, you surprisingly I've seen, have seen a lot? <laughs> this is crazy. I think I've seen the Twilight Saga three times. Oh, there we go. Older sister things, right? Uh, initially, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is going to sound crazy. She always used to be watching like Sabrina the Teenage Witch, Charmed, all these other things. I didn't mind stopping by watching these things. Low-key enjoyed them. Um, and then one day she was watching this movie that Everyone in my year group, especially the boys, were hating on. They were like, have you heard about this new movie? It's this word. It's that word. All the sort of um, pejoratives you could give to mm-hmm. you know, a, a movie production were thrown at this movie. And I walked in, in my, on my sister watching the baseball scene in Twilight. Ah, yes. Iconic moment. Dude, I was like, oh my god. <laughs> this is wolves and vampires playing baseball. It's like, I felt like I was at a Braves game. The only thing amazing. I needed then to be was inebriated, but I guess I was 12 <laughs> years old, so that wouldn't have worked out. But no, it was, it was amazing. It had that sort of uh, mystical yet sporty. It combined two different worlds that I loved, which is sports and then sci-fi and fantasy and brought them together. Uh, and because of my love, for t- love, my enjoyment of the Twilight Saga, I've seen Teen Wolf, I've seen the originals, I've seen Vampire Diaries. Um, wow, and a and a bunch of other TV shows uh, wow. in full that um really really enjoyed. And when I do see sometimes that they have spinoffs or separate movies come out that are based on um similar sort of uh, instances, I, I I love them. So for example, 
the, the latest Batman movie that came out, um, I thought was amazing. Um, and I think Robert Pattinson did amazing in that. And I loved the way that they portrayed everything. Similarly, his acting in Tenet as well, um, I, I thought was amazing and phenomenal how he carried that character. That's actually a movie that I'm going to watch again, by the way. You asked, is there ah, a movie yes. that I'm going to watch That's again? A good one. I watched it once in the cinema. And my mind was going back and forth. And as soon as I thought I'd understood it, it was complicated. But when I walked out, I'd fully… Because I watch so many TV shows and so many movies and I create content myself. My brain is always trying to figure out the puzzles or sometimes trying to predict the puzzles. And that was one that bamboozled me. But when I walked out, I was content. I was like, that was a masterpiece and everything in that. By the time I'd walked out and sort of put all the puzzles together, made sense. All the people that I came with were like, I, sorry for the language. They're like, this is bullshit. I didn't understand it. And I was explaining it to people one by one. They were like, oh, this bit made sense. But how do you, uh. that's this bit and this bit. And that's definitely one to answer your question from previous, uh, from before. The Tenet movie is definitely one that I'm probably going to um, watch again, hopefully at home, 4K, something like that. Yeah. That's a really good one. Because yeah, a lot of people, including myself, who I, I really enjoyed it, Definitely took me a while afterwards to kind of figure out and piece together what was happening. I've seen it once after it's come out. So I've seen it twice total and it helps to see it a second time for sure. Uh, but it is a good one to rewatch and revisit to really catch some things you might have missed before. Well, that was a good that was a good top three. I am as well a, a fan of the Twilight Saga. A lot of people like to make fun of it, but it's pure entertainment. It is popcorn fun. Uh, and that baseball scene is one of the greatest moments in that franchise. So I'm glad you brought it up. Um, before we end today, we did get a couple questions from Twitter. Uh, one that we may have answered already, but maybe we haven't. Uh, Action Man on Twitter asked just very simply what your favorite TV show of all time is. Do you have an answer for that? Is there one that you've proclaimed the best that you've ever seen? It's it's, it's so tricky because there's so many seasons of different TV shows that I'm like, oh my God, this is the goat. This is the goat. This is the goat. You know, <laughs> um, I, would, I would have to give you three. Maybe. Okay, go for it. I'd say Thrones, Game of Thrones, Ooh. The Wire. Oh, yes. And one that I'm actually going to put a lot of you guys onto right now. Um, it's an Hulu exclusive, but I watched it when it dropped. It's called 11 ah. And if you've seen it, you know. it's it's Every episode is about as long as a movie. I think it's like an hour and something. Eight episodes long. James Franco, time travel, mm-hmm. the repercussions of time travel. JFK's murder. That's that's all I'm gonna say. It's a really it's it's a masterpiece of a TV show, and I have to put it up there. But I, I've seen so many TV shows. Um, but yeah, I think The Wire would probably be up there with one of my favorites. Yeah. I'd probably put that at the top. Oh yeah, that's a it's a good. Uh, I'm glad you've seen The Wire. There's a lot of people who haven't seen it because it is not an older show. It came out late '90s, early 2000s, so it's not incredibly old but uh, it is a, a, a show that not a lot of people are, are exploring as much because it's you know there's a lot of content coming out in terms of tv especially hbo mm-hmm. the wire is uh, is definitely up there on my list as well so i'm glad that you were able to catch it good list good list how do you feel at the end of thrones oh man i again I, i'm gonna sound like a muppet <laughs> for saying this but just like the same feeling that i have with dr strange and all of that we have our perceptions and we have our uh, own sort of desires of how we want things to go right and for the tv shows or for the writers or for the directors to appease that i don't think is always necessarily the best um route 
But I, I do have high hopes for the spin-off. Again, I'm not saying the, the ending was good. I think it, it was. I wouldn't say it was shambolic neither. Uh-huh. Um, it did tie up a lot of loose ends and it made a lot of sense. And some of it didn't make sense. But I think um, they set themselves up not so great for the the uh, for this prequel. But we're all going to watch the prequel prequel regardless of what we think of that last season. Um, true, true. Definitely one of my favorite TV shows. But uh, I, one of the reasons why I know some uh, some of these older TV shows or these older movies and and stuff is either because of my dad and I used to watch a bunch of movies with him uh, back in the blockbuster days. Like he used to be all about. Arnold, Jean-Claude Van Damme, and all of those, mm-hmm. which were really, really fun to watch. Um, even, uh, what's the guy's name? From The Fugitive. Although oh, Harrison Ford. More, yeah, he's probably more, you know, he's got way bigger <laughs> movies, but that's the Star one that Wars, I remember yeah. him from, from when I was a kid, The Fugitive. Um, okay. what, probably watched that movie a few times. But yeah, I, when I moved to America, I had a bunch of homies that were a few years older than, and, and they put me onto a bunch of TV shows movies, songs, pop culture, a bunch of things that I might have missed being from my city in England. And uh, yeah, I think it helped me sort of explore a whole different range and different side of uh, programming and entertainment that maybe I wouldn't have been able to tap into before. That's good. You do have a very well-rounded taste by everything you've been answering. You've got comedies, romance, Game of Thrones, historical, very well-rounded. So your, your homies did a good job really exposing you to a lot of different stuff. Last question uh, from Twitter. From Sandro, makes little sense to me, but probably makes more sense to you. But I did find it interesting. It says, do you think companies that have been making influencer trading cards are ever going to be on the same level as NFTs or traditional card collecting? Okay. Um, I think that that's definitely a possibility. So just like baseball cards, right? They have their own sort of provenance. They, baseball, has, baseball cards have their own sort of value that's determined by the market. The older one is, the better quality it is, the more it's going to be worth down the line. Um, and I have a bunch of friends who have kept baseball cards that their fathers or grandfathers have had and made decent profits within the past few years, past 10 years, decades since the internet, being able to source and find people that want to buy them. I think if if these influencer trading cards were to be adopted on the blockchain and... Um, there was some way of sort of uh, applying those to um, the content that influencers are making and tying those in as unlockables for those who are the, the biggest fans of these influencers. And then adding another layer of that of if you hold a card for X amount of time or if you're that big of a fan of an influencer um, and you watch their content, then you can unlock something that is an in real life exclusive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the biggest example I could be is, let's say you hold a Joe podcast. You want, you know, let's say they're fans of your podcast, right? Mm-hmm. If you invested into it and you held it for X amount of time, and there was maybe some sort of game, um, some some sort of gamification of it, or some sort of law, some sort of Easter eggs embedded in it, and you were the one to figure it out, or you held it for long enough, you unlock some sort of in real life exchange mm. or something that gives it more value. Um, but on the blockchain, if it was implemented, that would mean that it could be traded to anyone or sold, and it would be the market that sort of determines the price of it, and that makes it more fluid and safer for everyone. Yeah. Good answer. Good answer. I hope Sandro on Twitter finds that acceptable. I find it acceptable. I think it's a very interesting future that we could have, and if I have any questions, I'm just going to be tweeting at you on Twitter, so prepare for 
that uh, barrage of questions that come your way. Uh, well, Teddy, we are reaching the final moments of our podcast and our episode today. I want to thank you so much for coming on the show, for talking about and really teaching me about NFTs and uh, talking about movies and TV and all those things, great things. We'll make sure to link your description and your uh, your, your content creation all in the uh, description of the episode. And we'll make sure to have everybody check you out on social media platforms. Once again, it was great talking to you. Great discussing all this stuff. Um, and uh, I wish you the best of luck in the NFT world and the uh, content creation world. Thank you. Thank you. I want to say to everyone, make sure you use NordVPN. Use my link down below. I use it for gaming. I use it when I'm exchanging money. I use it for so many different things. And I used it for years before I even got offered to come on a podcast for them. So I think that's a cool little thing that I want to share with you guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, and I didn't even tell him to say that. So if you're listening, you think I told him to say that? I didn't. That, that was Teddy being as candid as possible. But the NordVPN link will be in the description of the episode. Again, thanks so much for listening, everybody. Make sure to follow us on Spotify and subscribe, subscribe to YouTube and Apple Podcasts. And I will see you guys next week.